Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett. Uh, we hope to provide a moment of sanity in your busy week. We both worked in youth ministry for a long time, and we've just about seen it all. And in the midst of our own brokenness, we are ready to go ahead and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers every ministry leader has. So, Chris, this week I wanted to first dive into some listener feedback from our, our latest uh, podcast. The one on isolation. Yes, Absolutely. So one of the things that uh, that she did was a little like it was being good and critical of the two of us in telling us, hey, own your experience, own your wisdom, quit being so self-deprecating. And I think I know myself, I tend to try to paint, uh, I guess, I don't know, some sort of acceptance like my experience is not your experience. So every time that I say something, I do something that that says, you know, you may not feel this way, but... You know, and she's like, stop that, you know, just share your experience, share what you've gone through. Yeah, I think that there's a value in having confidence in that reality. Um, And I think, of course, we're new to the whole podcast world, um, but we're not new to allowing us to be instruments in God's hands. Absolutely. And, And we have to recognize that even if our experience is different, God can still use that to touch someone's heart and... Furthermore, we are experts in the field. We're experts yeah. in the field of ministry leadership, and uh, it took a long time to get here, um, and we, we do add value. So, yeah, absolutely. And one thing that she pointed out, which I, I wanted to make sure and tell you, Chris, was that I didn't realize, I, mean, I guess I didn't notice uh, how different our experiences are in ministry. I started youth ministry as a married man. Like, I was, I've always been married in youth ministry or in ministry. You have not. And so you have a completely different experience to share. And she really valued that because she's single. So just to clarify, I was single and and now I'm married. I haven't like gotten divorced <laughs> in ministry. I know the listeners are like, he was married and now he's not married. Is he single now? Sorry, ladies. I'm Off married. the table. Yeah, I'm married in ministry. Very happily married. And uh and, and things of that nature. You know, but the, but the thing is, is neither of us can go ahead and say that we've ever been female Correct. in ministry. Correct. And, uh, and I think that that's an interesting perspective that we need you, the listeners, to go ahead and give us some of that feedback in regards to, hey, share this, or hey, maybe this person should come on as a guest. Yeah. Because we can't. You know, I was watching a uh, a podcast um, or a video, whatever they do on Facebook You can't Live. watch a podcast, Chris. Well, whatever. In my heart of hearts, <laughs> right? So long as you say that. Have you ever noticed that? Like, in my heart of hearts, you can't argue it. Like, Yeah, yeah, in, of course. In my heart of hearts, I drown kittens, and they're like, oh, but it's... It's, <laughs> it's in your sp- heart. It's a spiritual moment, you know? You know, um, but uh, on Facebook Live, and they were talking about um, uh, ministry salaries, and they, they were doing comparisons. And uh, even though in uh, in the field of youth ministry in particular, there's more females in the professional field, yeah. uh, the males are still paid at a higher rate. And so I, I didn't even think about that as a male. I, I, it's not on my radar. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of different perspectives out there that this Ministry Leaders Anonymous only works if we are all at the round table. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have we have our blinders on because of our experiences and because of the world we live in. It's just different. Another thing she pointed out um, that I wanted us to talk about was that at the beginning, um, she felt a little attacked when we were talking about isolation because we were talking about how we put ourselves in isolation. And I don't think we talked about that. And not that I want to uh, get back into self-deprecating, but, you know, one of the things that uh, that we didn't, I guess, address was the fact that 
you know, I, I tend to, whenever I have make a mistake, whatever it is, I look at myself first. Like, what can I do to fix myself to, to keep that situation from happening again? And when we did that, I don't think we talked about that aspect of it. Like, what, what can we do to fix ourselves? That whole Michael Jackson song, you know, look at the man in the mirror. You know, you can sing for us, Chris. Do you know the no. song? Of course. <laughs> I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so I always do that first, you know, and uh, a lot of times, I guess, when we talk about it in that way, it can sound like, hey, you did this. It's your fault. And we need to make sure that we don't do that. Well, and, you know, it, it, I, when you mentioned she felt attacked, the first thing I thought is, oh, my gosh, is she a member of the Newsboys? Um, <laughs> so president of the fan club. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was a little bit of a stretch that was made. Um, but, but I think it is important that when we talk about isolation, um, you're right. Uh, it, it takes you as the initiator to be a part of the solution. But isolation, just like anything, is, is, isn't something that happens just on your own. Yep. You know, and, and there are times when we are called to withdraw. We, we use the analogy of Jesus withdrawing for prayer and things like yep. that. But that's different than isolation. And there's times where on staffs or on teams and things like that, I mean, it starts to feel a lot like a middle school lunchroom. Yep. You know, and you yeah. just can't find the table that you fit at and the tables that you try and sit at. They, they pick up their trays and move or send you somewhere else. And so... We have to be able to own our solution, but at the same time, it's not, it's not always a 100% one person's fault. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the, the pathway of a disciple is a lonely, a lonely road. And, yeah. uh, and that's the cross. Well, and, and one, of the, one of the things that we hope to do on this podcast is, you know, the stuff we're talking about, we want our listeners to identify with. You know, we want them to, I guess, see themselves in those situations, but we don't want them to be shamed you know, in that situation or ha- by having done that, you know, because right. that was one of the things that she's like, wow, I did that. And so she felt a little attacked because of that. And so I think there's a difference between, hey, you know, identifying with, you know, the people that are listening, but not, you know, shaming them. And that's why the uh, one of the podcast titles that we considered was Ministry Sucks. Yep. And uh, that one got rejected because we didn't want that theme to be the, the central thesis or tenets yeah, yeah, yeah. of our podcast. What else did she have for us? She, uh, she really loved the topic of isolation, and she thought that there was so much that we could build on from that, and she looks forward to more episodes on that topic. And she gave us some suggestions like, you know, specifically focus on our how we isolate ourselves from God, you know, and when we may be in desolation, like how do we respond to that? What do we do when we feel that isolation from God? You know, when we have isolation from peers specifically, you know, how do you, what does that look like? How do we address that? Dive a little bit more into that topic, as well as the isolation from the coworkers in the parish, you know, all of those different topics. Yes. 17 years in youth ministry and outside of last week's podcast, I've only heard it talked about at a conference, a keynote, a a breakout session, like a workshop at a conference was the only other time I heard about it. And so this is this is why our podcast exists, you guys. If you want uh, to hear about a topic that hasn't been touched on or that rarely gets touched on, um, toss it out at us. You know, um, what's the, what's the best way that they can find us? I know we have a Facebook group and, and things like that. What what would you suggest? Yeah, I mean, they can email us, um, and I don't have the email, Chris, so a way to prep me for that question. But we'll have something in the show notes that'll make it easy for you to uh, to send those that feedback to us. They can just email us in their heart of hearts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job, Chris. <laughs> All right, so um, let's dive into this this week's topic. Thank you, listener, for that feedback. Um, 
Uh, Matt, where were you this week? Um, I actually went up to Steubenville. Um, I got to go to Franciscan University to look for um, some more missionaries to join our team at Ablaze. Now, Franciscan University, I am alum of that university, or an alum yep. of that university, and uh, it really does uh, have a, a wide range of different um, degrees and, and offerings, yep. but it does have a certain level of expertise in regards to building ministry leaders, yep. and uh, and that's a fitting place for you to go to recruit some ministry leaders for your ministry. Um, how, how did it all go? What, what was the feel on campus, the students, things of that nature? It was great. You know, one of the, one of the things I love is uh, my relationship with Bob Rice there um, at Franciscan. Um, we've known him for, you know, several years, almost since Ablaze has begun. And he's really supportive of what we do. You know, every, like for the last two years, he's invited me, you know, to come up and talk to his class you know, because a lot of his students are looking to go into ministry. And so he wants them to see all the options that they have. And then for me to also speak into, you know, different aspects of what they're going to be experiencing, you know, when they go out, you know, into the field of ministry. And uh, the feel on campus, it was it was funny because it was the second day of spring and it snowed. And in my mind, it looked like it snowed like four inches, you know, but I think they said it was just two. But from Texas, it looked like 20. I don't know. Right. Yeah. They would have shut down the town for a week if it happened in Texas. Yeah. yeah. And as a crazy little side note, you know, um, we got like ridiculously upgraded um, by Enterprise. Because in Steubenville, um, the Enterprise rental place there, they had gotten a car from the airport. Someone did a one-way and dropped this car off. And they like they couldn't rent it in Steubenville. Um, and so they were like, hey, can you please take this back to the airport? And I'm like, sure. Can I pay for a compact? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we nice. drove around in a convertible yellow Bumblebee Camaro. While it was snowing. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we couldn't, we couldn't bring the top down or anything like that. But it was still a pretty sweet ride. That's awesome. That's awesome. So two years ago, it was the first time you got uh, invited out there. Two years ago is also when you cut your hair using an undercut. <laughs> you, you think I did that on purpose? So I yeah, could, you man. know, I don't know, look cool. Yeah, yeah. No, Bob Rice. For those of you who don't who don't know Dr. Bob Rice, he I would argue is prophetic in the field of ministry. He's been working with a lot of different uh, bishops and, on documents and, and research and things of that nature to where it's taking a lot of the practice of youth ministry or practice of ministry and evangelization and outreach. And it's putting a little bit more research and depth to it. And, uh, and it goes ahead and it brings the intellect together with, uh, where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. And he's invited, you know, to, to be, you know, I guess integral in, um, authoring different documents, um, and, or, uh, I don't even know specifically, um, what they're called, but like for him to have a voice at that table and to be, you know, adding, you know, and pushing that forward is, is awesome to hear, you know, just to sit at his table at his house and hear him share, you know, what he's able to do or what he tries to do um, in the authoring of those documents is actually, I, I love to see, him having a seat at that table. Well, and I would argue that it's a fruit of the new evangelization or a fruit of Vatican II because the role of the laity has a, has a new element to it from what it was before Vatican II. And I think this is a great example of integrating a layperson like Dr. Yeah. Bob Rice yeah. into some of the ecclesial workings of, of the church and doc- document formation and things like that. So, yeah. so you, you spoke to the students about what it's like in ministry. Um, a lot of them might have had volunteer experience at vacation Bible school or as a catechist or a youth ministry or something like that, but they only get to see the uh, the the actual ministry that takes place. 
the rest of it, the paperwork, the chasing down a baptismal certificate from a family that doesn't have an email address and doesn't <laughs> doesn't have a voicemail set up and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so basically, you went and you tried to burst their bubble, right? Yeah. Isn't that yeah? You went there and was like, "Hey guys, yeah, it's great uh, to be in front of uh, people you're sharing the gospel with about six hours a week, but the other thirty five hours, yep. you know, and in reality, the other forty seven hours when you're first getting into ministry, you're busting fifty five hour weeks all the time." Um, this is what that looks like. And I think it's important as ministry leaders, all of us listening, uh, to give people a realistic understanding of what ministry is going to look like when they get in there. So if you yeah. are at a parish right now or your church or ministry has the ability to welcome an intern, even if it's just over the summer, to have yeah. someone help you out part time on the logistical behind the scenes stuff, um, especially those who are looking to go into a full time. Uh, as much as I said it's bursting their bubble or whatever, raining on their parade, I think that it helps reduce the amount of burnout yep. that actually occurs in uh, professional ministry leadership. Yeah, and I've, I've heard Bob, like, specifically choose to, you know, try to, uh, I guess, counsel people away from going into ministry um, because he, he doesn't – he wants them to know what it's going to look like when they get out there and not have this, you know – whitewashed, you know, picture of what youth ministry is. It's not all um, sunshine and rainbows, you know, it's flowers and puppy dogs. There you go. Um, And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons why a blaze even exists, you know, is to provide a space for youth ministers to discern, you know, out or into youth ministry rather than burnout. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I just love about, and that's when, what I get to share with those students there, you know, is that, that it's tough, you know, in ministry. And, and I, I always try to tell them like, and anyone I talk to, don't let anyone go into ministry alone. Um, because that's that isolation, like we talked about last time, you know, it, it, it is, takes a toll. Yeah. Yeah, it's debilitating. So they're all there to get their degrees in uh, some sort of ministry-related field, theology, religious education, catechesis, whatever it is. Um, My question for you is, should ministry leaders have a degree in a related field? Should that be a requirement? No. I mean, I I don't think it should be a requirement. Um, I think it definitely can add, you know, to their experience. And like my story, like I, I went and got a degree because I needed it, but it was, it was different. Like the reason that I did it was because my catechesis when I was young was so bad, you know, I didn't know enough. Um, and so I needed that, you know, to have the confidence and to have the knowledge to be able to present. Um, you smiled when I said that, Chris, what you got? (laughs) Well, no, I, I mean, I, I think that we should debate it because I know there's some some areas, even in the state of Texas, where they won't hire someone in ministry unless they have a degree, you know? Yeah. And and so is, uh, what if I change that and say, should ministry leaders have a degree? What if I said, should professional ministry leaders have a degree? Yeah. And, uh, and, th- and that would maybe change the topic because I believe a degree brings a certain level of professionalism to the field um, that's necessary. Um or this advantageous, you know, there has to be some something that that sets you apart from those that you're leading, doesn't doesn't there? I mean, I, I the thing, the problem that I see with you know requiring a degree is, um, it, it like a lot of people use it as a shortcut, you know, to say, oh, this will be a good youth minister if they have a degree. And that's not a guarantee that that's going to happen, you know, and that's so many people use that as, oh, this is this is what's going to tell me that they're good. Um, and so instead of actually investing in the interview process and trying to get to know the person, they actually just say, oh, they've got a degree. They're good to go. So are you familiar with St. Joseph Cupertino? 
not well other than he floats you know yeah, that's he, you know <laughs> the, the the flying coop right yeah, there you so, go <laughs> in college in college there was a frisbee team that named themselves after saint nice, joseph cupertino nice. <laughs> i thought it'd be more appropriate to name ourselves after saint john the baptist because his head was on a platter Ooh. platter platter frisbee yeah too too soon i know too soon okay so um moving along he was not the brightest bulb in the box and in fact he ended up becoming a uh, a priest uh, by his final interview question, he was given uh, a question, and a- out of eight, they were going to choose. He only studied one because that was all he could uh, manage to go ahead and bring into his brain or whatever um, because of his limited scholastic ability. And uh-huh. uh, and then God blessed the situation by that was the one out of the eight possible questions that he was asked, and he became ordained a priest. Wow. And so um, the point of it is, is I don't think he could have gotten a degree. And uh-huh. he's, I don't think he could have obtained a degree and he's yeah. a saint, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and at the same time, I know people with their doctorate in theology that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. And I, well, if you had to choose one, a doctorate in theology or a relationship with Jesus, I'd rather have St. Joseph Cupertino yep. than the doctorate that doesn't pray, you know? Yep. And so, so there is, um, the other danger I think, and as we dive into this, um, the other danger, I believe, is that it gives this elitism sense, this impression that ministry leadership is for an elite few. Yeah. And as we know, at the end of the Matthew's Gospel, at the end of the Matthew's Gospel, at the end of Matthew's <laughs> Gospel, uh, it states that, uh, you know, the, the, the Great Commission, it sends us out. And yeah. that that is a calling by virtue of our baptism, not by virtue of our um, education or preparedness, you know. Well, and- I, I would say that this requirement for a degree trickles down, you know, um, into even our volunteers, you know, I, and, you know, I don't know if every diocese, you know, has um, specific requirements before anyone can volunteer. Um, but, you know, I know ours does, you know, um, at least expectations, you know, as far as their formation before they can volunteer. And again, like furthering, you know, the knowledge base, you know, or the knowledge of a volunteer is a great thing, you know, like requiring that they go through it, like saying that they don't have a voice until they've been formed is not good, you know, and and in my mind, it causes this, the atrophying that we're seeing in in volunteerism that a lot of people will say, Hey, I can't do it because I don't have this, 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 or that. And so they, they sit back and they let other people do it. You know, you're the trained one, you go do it. I'm going to sit back because I can't. And unfortunately that trickles outside of the parish context as well, or outside of the church context. And then all of a sudden we see parents or other people outsourcing the role of sharing the faith to those who are, experts in it to those who are trained in it and they don't see that they can actually share that when in fact you could spend a weekend with a ministry expert uh, but you're going to spend a lifetime with your parents and so even if they get it kind of right that's going to be a lot better than them having one weekend where they got it 100 percent perfect you Uh know um and so there is that i have seen uh, and, and you mentioned it when you said your catechesis growing up wasn't that great you know, I have seen this outsourcing of ministry take place, especially when it comes to children and youth, to where it's almost like they export that to the parish or to the church, and then at home they're 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 not living it out, or they're not uh, they're not seeing themselves as active members. Yeah. And, and and it models the school system, it models a number of different things, but it's also a fruit of the fact that people cannot give what they do not have. Yep. If I don't Amen. have a relationship with Jesus, or at least an understanding of the basic gospel message. 
then I can't pass that on to my kids. And out of the goodness of their hearts, they're taking them to the church to hope that that gets passed on to their own children. And then it doesn't have anywhere at home to take a deeper root. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, uh, man, I just totally blanked on what I was going to say, Chris. I, I, like, I just got so enraptured with what you were saying and with your beautiful face that I, I completely forgot what I was going to say. But for those at home, um, he said it in his heart of hearts. <laughs> so just listen really, really so just, intently. Just li- listen there. Listen there. Um, okay. Well, I'm sorry. I, I shook you from your train of thought. Um, but I do think that in the parish setting when they're hiring, I think that someone with a degree should stand apart or above from someone without a degree in the interview process. That should at least be a, a factor that, that comes into play. Agree? Absolutely. Disagree? I, I absolutely agree. You know, um, I, I don't have you read the personal MBA? No, I've been so wanting to. It's one of those things that after I read it, I wanted to I wanted to create the personal MDiv, you know, um, which was because the, the, the personal MBA is all about, you know, stop spending so much money going to college just to pay off those loans when you come out. You can get the same like knowledge, the same training from some experience and a few books. You know, and so that's like, just because I don't think you necessarily have a, have to have a master's degree or a theology degree to be in ministry doesn't mean you don't need to be educated. Um, and you need to be, you know, doing it yourself at least, you know, attending whatever conferences you can, you know, getting all the certifications you can. I remember when, when I was in uh, youth ministry first. I knew that I didn't know anything. I was like, okay, Matt, you need, you know, some catechesis. You need to be formed. And I don't know if I've shared this yet, but, you know, I I went to the diocese and I said, okay, you know, can I join the diaconate formation? And I was 22 years old. You know, I was 13 years too young to be a deacon. Right. And they said, yeah, sure. And so I was seeking out, you know, that personal MDiv, if you will, um, you know, from whatever sources I could, you know, and we need to make sure that we're doing that in ministry, even if we have a theology degree, keep learning. Um, but yeah, I, I think it sh- you should be set apart, but it shouldn't be like the sole criterion. And I think it's important to note that as ministry leaders, we need to give those who we journey with the opportunity for ongoing education as well. Yeah. Um, or I don't, I don't know what that looks like for your own parish, but I know that everyone sends out some weekly emails or some monthly communication with their ministry team. And maybe it's just, you know, <laughs> starting with Chris Stefanik or Matthew Kelly or, you know, um, Mark Hart and, and sending out some videos um, uh, their links in there. That way people, while they're having their cup of coffee, can go ahead and, and watch something. Um, but ultimately, I think it does involve people coming together and processing the idea of, uh, of seeking Christ more intentionally and sharing Christ more intentionally yeah. um, together. Um, Informed. And it, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, okay. Chris. I'll We're take doing it. it. I, I'm supposed to raise my hand when I talk, and I'm <laughs> yeah, not we doing have it. it. I'm video. sorry, Chris. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, but, but I think that ultimately we need to figure out what it means to, to form each other together, you know, yeah. to journey together so that we can all be, I don't know, I like the phrase rowing in the same direction, Yeah, you know, because I've been a part of teams where some people, they're just there to teach mm-hmm. and others are just there to show the love of God and others are just there to take up people's cell phones if they go off during the uh, the <laughs> prayer time or whatever. Security. You know? yep. Yeah. And, it's, and all of them are vital pieces, but we all need to be on the same team looking together. So, 
Yeah. I was going to say form.org is another great resource for people. Um, Whatever, wherever you are, you know, and this kind of goes back to one of the first things we talked about. I don't want anyone here to feel judged whether you have one or you don't have one. And I'm hopefully I'm not also being self-deprecating in the middle of all this. But, you know, when I came back from getting my master's degree, I looked at a fellow youth minister that I was doing ministry alongside with. And I actually had I was jealous because I went and got you know, a bunch of head knowledge. I got a master's degree in theology and he had experience. Like he was a skit master, you know, like John Valentino. Like I just loved watching him do ministry in, in that way because it was a skill I didn't have. You know, he yeah. went out, he went to net and did it a couple of years at net and he used that, you know, and it, he had skills that I didn't have. Um, and there was some jealousy there. And I don't know if it, if it goes both way for ways for people, those who don't get a master's degree, they feel inferior to those who do. And those who do get a master's degree feel inferior to those who don't. Yeah, I think that uh, that feeling of inferiority or not not being able to be enough mm-hmm. is a reality wherever you're at. You know, yeah. I, I worked at the diocese and I was, you know, the director of youth, young adult and campus ministry. It's a big, long title. Um, but at the same time, I was standing up in front of people twice my age yep. and telling them, uh, offering suggestions on how they could do ministry better. And I'm like, I, I've not been in the game. I've not been alive for as much time as you've been in the game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's baffling. And so there's there's constant inferiority type of that, that feeling of insecurity or, or unworthiness is just a, uh, a, a toxic mode of operation that exists in ministry leadership. Yeah, and it's not of God. You know, that's not the way God sees you. You know, God sees you as his beloved son or daughter, and you have a voice, you have something to share, and he wants you to share it without, you know, second guessing yourself, without, you know, being self-deprecating, you know, all of that. So, yeah. So, if you, if you're a kinesiology major, or if you have a doctorate in theology, God wants to use you to bring his love to the world. Amen. So, um, well, that kind of wraps up that topic, the great debate on whether or not ministry leaders should have a degree. It's uh, it, it's good if it's good, uh, but if you don't know Christ, it doesn't matter. It's not going to make a big difference. Amen. Um, yeah. One thing that we're going to talk about, just to give a little trailer for next time, is we are going to talk about what does it look like to be hired into a parish? What does it mean to be a professional ministry leader? And I know we talked a little bit about that today of like it should be considered in getting hired and things like that. Uh, join us next week to find out a little bit more about from a perspective of a ministry leader looking into a parish, what are some of the things that they should look for? Or if they're joining a ministry organization, what are some things that you should look for to go ahead and be successful in yep. that? Awesome. Uh, Matt, my question for you, what does God have on the front burner of your heart right now? You keep doing this to me, Chris, and I'm never prepared for it. Uh, you get to go first. Go for it. Okay, great. Uh, right now, a big theme in this last week was uh, just abandonment to God's will. Um, there have been a few things that have uh, been eye-opening in my life um, mm. in, in, in kind of uh, profound ways, and some in more subtle ways, you know, um, as ministry has slowed down a little bit with some of the big pieces out of the way, it's kind of neat to be back into um, a place where it's like, okay, Lord, I, I was, at, I was at, at work the other day, and, uh, and I was sitting there working on some tasks, and it's just database stuff, you know, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of those logistic things, and the bells rang for Mass. And my heart was just like, oh my gosh, there's nothing, there's no stress right now. And I just ran over, I didn't run over, I walked over to mass. And uh, and on the way, someone stopped and asked me a question, but uh, they saw in my face, they're like, oh, you're going to mass. I'll talk to you about this later. And so it's just neat. There's just some things about like, just follow God's will. And he just gave me a prompting right then and there to go chase after him. Um, And so I allowed stress to rule my day 
far too long and God's like, hey, it's my turn. It's yep. my turn. So that's good. What about you, Matt? So for me, you know, one of the things is, uh, so I'm reading, um, oh, it's Searching for and Maintaining Peace or Finding and Maintaining Peace. Um, and it's an outstanding book. You know, one of the things that it talks about is some of the things that can distract us, you know, from maintaining that peace is, is scrupulosity, like is, is beating ourselves up too much about our failings or our faults and whatnot. And, uh, and I, I was like, you know what, I think I might be doing some of that, you know, cause I'm, we're always striving for holiness, but like, if we start to strive for perfection, um, that's when we can lose our focus on God and lose that peace. And so that's one of the things that's on the, the front burner of my heart, which Kyle loves the, that term. I think he was make, made fun of you a little bit for it. Cause it's a mix of two metaphors. Yeah. Kyle's our uh, producer and, uh, indeed. So, um, Hey, if you enjoyed it, uh, please write us a review on iTunes or share it with another ministry leader and subscribe to the podcast. If you didn't enjoy it, contact us. Our information will be in the the show notes and, uh, let us know what we could do to improve, to make this more relevant to you as a ministry leader. Yeah. And if you want to support this podcast, you can do so on patreon.com slash MLA podcast here at ministry leaders anonymous. We think that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week and get together with another ministry leader. Pray for each other. And uh, we'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.